The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every Monday we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. I'm so fortunate that I have with me today Tom Johnston. Tom is a midwife. He is a lactation consultant, and he's the father of eight breastfed children. And by the way, uh, I have actually met at least one or two of those children. Now, Tom is retired after 27 years in the United States Army. He was retired as a lieutenant colonel, and uh, he is currently an associate professor at Methodist University in Fayetteville. Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Marie. Um, well, thank you for having me. Good well, to hear Tom- from you again. I'm just going to say, I'm delighted to have you because I'm thinking, how did Tom get to eight children? Last I knew, he only had one or two. Oh, well, you know, these things kind of happen every couple of years. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Tom, our listeners probably don't care, but I just have to tell you, I remember that you you, you must have had confidence in me. I was substantially younger and more slender in those days, but I did a program (laughs) in Fayetteville. And I distinctly remember that you and your wife took me to a little Greek restaurant in Fayetteville, and I had the best moussaka there I think I've ever had. It was superb. Yeah, that was a great restaurant. It was the Haymont Grill in uh, in downtown Fayetteville, yes. Oh, well, gee, this was not planned, but that's a great shout-out for the Haymont Grill. See, you remember what it was. Oh, it was, well, it's it's famous in town. Unfortunately, oh. it uh, it the restaurant caught fire a couple months ago, and uh, they haven't rebuilt it. Oh dear. Yeah, well, it's I'm quite not, unfortunate. I'm not going to Fayetteville anytime soon. But I got to tell you that the locals are out of luck because the food was really. I'm such a foodie. I am such a foodie. <laughs> so we have you with us today to talk about a different kind of food, which is, of course, human milk. Tom, I'm really impressed with all that you have done and the fact that you've been in the military for 27 years. Our hats are off to you. We all give you thanks, you and many of your colleagues, for all the service that you have given to this country. We would not have a radio show. We would not have freedom of the press if it were not for those very brave men and women who stand ready to defend that. Every single day we realize you put your life, your lives on the line, and thank you so much for your service. Well, thank you for that, Marie. It's always been an honor to serve. I think you're just one of those guys, Tom. You know, I, I, well, you know, I think of my dearly beloved uh, 
father-in-law who has now passed away, but he was a uh, retired commander in the U.S. Navy, and he was all about service. He was he he served his country, he served his family, he served his community, and uh, he too had some ups and downs with the healthcare system, <laughs> both while in the service as well as afterwards. So. Tom, I am thinking that, you know, we all have our ups and downs with breastfeeding as related to the healthcare system. People in civilian hospitals are squawking all the time, and I, I am not currently in the hospital, but I'd be one of the ones that would be squawking as well. I do want to know, though, as you think about the issues that face military families or military hospitals, what kinds of things come to your mind as making it either really different if you are the mother or even if you are the father of a breastfed infant? What makes it different or perhaps more intense as related to the difficulties that you might face? Well, it's a great question. You know, the um, the, the military fam- the military medical system is, is, I believe, a little bit different than the civilian medical system. I mean… Yep. For one, you know, we kind of randomly snatch up uh, mom or dad at random times and send them away to different continents to spend six months or a year away. Um, and so that, that brings with it a little bit more stress, I think, than the average uh, family would experience you know, here, uh, here in America. The, um, but they, they, they handle it really well, you know. Um, the parents or the healthcare providers? The the parents, I'm sorry, yeah, the parents, <laughs> okay. yeah, they handle, it. yeah, they they handle it really well. It's 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 just a part of the everyday life that we experience uh, in the military, and uh, and so we tend to prepare. As a matter of fact, my only experience. It's interesting. We're recording this uh, over Skype. My only experience using Skype before today was during military births, where uh, we would often have dad on Skype while mom was uh, was delivering. Um, yes. Going through labor and that sort of thing—it's—it's a—it's a wonderful experience. Um, I think the one thing that the military really has going for it, um, and it's both a blessing and a curse, is that we move frequently. Every yeah. two or three years, we use—we move from one location to another location, uh, and that brings with it um, both this constant state of transition, but also uh, constantly bringing—we're constantly bringing in fresh blood, fresh ideas, fresh, uh, fresh mm-hmm. concepts from other mm-hmm. places. This worked well in in Kentucky. Maybe we should try it out here in Oregon or that sort of thing. I hadn't really thought of it that way. And yet I should have thought of it that way because I remember it was several years ago when I did a uh, training for staff at uh, Portsmouth, which, of course, was Navy. But nonetheless, that was one of the things that I kind of realized right away was that the idea of getting stale was not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> stale <laughs> does there, not happen. <laughs> no, there is nothing stale in the military. We are constantly fresh. Tom, I'm also thinking, because this is so fresh in my mind, uh, a woman who works in my office, her children are older now. They're uh, about five and about 13. So they're past the breastfeeding piece, but... She has moved here from the West Coast, and she's had a couple of kids with a couple of, you know, bugs that kids get. And 
I've been very sensitive to the fact that she's not been able to get in to see a pediatrician or the pediatrician she wanted to see, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not she, but the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, is this a problem for breastfeeding? Because it seems like there would be very little time to have a long-term rapport with the pediatrician or any provider for that matter. And do you get mixed messages? I certainly know in civilian hospitals, you get plenty of mixed messages, but what would you say about that lack of continuity or somehow the, the mixed messages that crop up? What would you say to that? Well, there, there certainly is that, the, the lack of continuity and, and mixed messages. I think as you see in every uh, um facility when it comes to breastfeeding. One thing that we have going for us in the military is, as you mentioned, um, that we love to serve and part of service is obedience. And the commander uh, has a very powerful tool where he says, you will do this, you will use this phrase, you will do this, and we do it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, That's something that I've never seen in the civilian world. Um, that ability to follow orders. Uh, I know that my civilian colleagues um, that I work with here in Fayetteville every once in a while chafe at the idea of somebody coming in and telling them what to do. In the military, we're very used to it. Yes. So when we identify people who are maybe not giving the most up-to-date information, it's very easy to contact them or their supervisor, say this is what they need to do, and away they go. Tom, that's interesting because, again, I'm hearkening back to, I've done places other than Portsmouth, but Portsmouth was my first experience, and I don't remember now what I said on the first day, but barely had I gotten it out of my mouth, but what the captain stood up and she said, okay, we're starting that on Monday morning. And Exactly. <laughs> I, I just kind of stood there with my jaw flying open thinking, whoa, I better be careful what comes out of my mouth <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, in a civilian hospital, that would have taken four or five years and uh, how many committees and blah, 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 you know, it would have been a real big deal. And yet it was very apparent to me when she said, we're going to do this. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. Right. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. In the Army, we call that the commander's intent. Uh-huh. Um, the commander says, you will do this, and you do this, and that's just all there is to it. Uh, certainly, you know, there's grumbling, there's complaining, there's people trying yeah. to work around it, but a, a, a good leader in the military is, is capable of making those, uh, those kind of snap judgments and the way they go. So, Tom, would you say that the uh, the person who is in charge, whoever that might be, can you convince them about evidence-based practice about breastfeeding, and then does it just magically happen, or is there still that reluctance? There is certainly a lot of reluctance. Um, I've been um, very involved uh, working at my local medical center here in Fayetteville, um, and um, uh, we, we, when we want to implement new policies, we very similar to the civilian world, we, we use the Lean Six Sigma uh, pathway and yeah. uh, do a little research and implement. But the difference is that um, when the decision comes down, it's, it's far more powerful. There's, there's more, um, there's, uh, what's the word, legitimacy behind uh-huh. it. Um, and so you, you will continue to have your laggards, you'll still continue to have your naysayers, um, but they're, they're easier to identify and to retrain. 
Well, that's very interesting because I'm thinking that, for instance, in a civilian hospital, a lot of times you can get the nurses on board from 7 to 3. But, you know, administration leaves at 4 o'clock or so. And after that, you know, they play a little faster and looser with the rules. I'm guessing that maybe in the military, if it is no supplements for X, Y, and Z babies, then, then how does that really work out? Is, that, is there that sense of obedience or do they play a little faster and looser with the rules? We have the same problem with night shift in the military <laughs> that you do oh, in the civilian brother. world. The difference is one of accountability. Um, okay. In the uh, in the military, um, if you uh, if you're going to uh, to to violate the rules, so to speak, there there's there's some repercussions that are much easier to get, and it's 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 up to the command, uh, the, sure. uh, the 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 nurse leadership, to to enforce the rules. Um, but I think they have more tools. To enforce those rules than the average civilian world, so they're out there. There's still trouble with it, and don't you know? I don't want anyone to get the impression that you know, at, in in um, in the military, uh, uh, breastfeeding is just hunky dory perfect. Um, <laughs> it <laughs> is absolutely not. not. Um, and now uh, I, I deal with them as a civilian contractor on a regular basis, and I continue to have the same problems I've been having for 20 years. Um, but it's getting better. It's much much better than it was 20 years ago. Well, it's getting better for the rest of us as well, right. but but then honestly, there are some things, Tom, that are almost forty years stuck in the mud, and it's just it's going to take, I, I think, probably another whole generation. So yeah, I don't think that we're here to expect you to say that it's all just hunky dory and perfect and utopia because it is not certainly. But I liked what you said about the accountability and more tools. And by the way, for for anyone who's listening. I know that night nurses really do get a bad reputation about breastfeeding, but I just want to go on the record for saying I have worked as a nurse. I have worked more nights than I care to admit to. So, you know, we're not all bad, but uh, certainly it does leave a lot of room for uh, not necessarily walking on the straight and narrow path. Hey, everybody, this is a really interesting session with my friend and my colleague, Tom Johnston, talking about healthcare and the military and breastfeeding. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I'm here today with my friend and my colleague, Tom Johnston, who is retired Lieutenant Colonel Johnston. And my first encounter with Tom was several years ago when I did a program in Fayetteville where he was stationed. And of course, now we're kind of following up with all that has occurred uh, from his perspective. Having been in the military, he is now teaching. Uh, Anyway, Tom, help me with this. You know, you have alluded to the idea that Fathers often see births via Skype, so presumably they are halfway around the world in some cases. Mother is giving birth, and so father gets to maybe not participate fully, but participate as much as he possibly can. And then, oh, by the way, mother is going to be breastfeeding this baby. Not only does she not have the support of her her military spouse, but she probably has a family that's several hundred miles away. Now, I know, for instance, my sisters are currently about 400 miles away, and I'm not even in the military. But So, so it, it's not just a civilian thing, or, or excuse me, just a military thing. It happens to civilians as well. But do you think it's more intensified, or how does this play out? How, how do you help mothers who feel very isolated in their breastfeeding situation? Well, you know, it's a it's a really interesting topic um, because, as you mentioned, the military moves an awful lot. Uh, we uh, even if the the service member isn't deployed to another region, he's frequently sent away for training. Uh, can be oh. 30, 60, 90 days, or you know, field duty for a week or two in the field or in the navy. They might go on sea duty for six months. So it's not all combat deployments, but. Being a, a, a service member is is all about being frequently away from home, and that leaves um, the mother uh, uh, home alone. And ha- but it helps her to she develops a different set of tools, I think, okay. than the average than the average mother would have. Um, one thing that we do 
because we move so very much in the in the military is we are extremely friendly, welcoming, and open to our neighbors and our and to the people that we meet at our military bases. Um, yeah. As soon as you move into the neighborhood, you usually have three or four or five of your neighbors show up while the movers are still moving all their stuff in, introduce themselves, talk a little bit, and you develop a a really tight family sort of relationship with them. In every unit, they have what's called a family readiness group, and that family readiness group um, is um, a bit – it's a spouse's club, so to speak, where they can all interact and uh, and share with each other um, while while the service member is deployed, but also while they're home, they have these monthly meetings. So they develop kind of a community uh, there. And so in the military, your neighbors are your family, um, and they take over uh, for family right away. Um, it's 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 a wonderful experience. And the other really interesting thing about the military is that every military base is is the same you know the one thing the army really loves is uniformity and so (laughs) yeah on every military base you have a military theater you have a military chapel you have a military grocery store a military um um, dry goods store uh called the px you you have you know Uh uh you have everything all of the restaurants are the same you know we have our really yeah, we have our Burger King, our Charlie's, our, uh, our our Chinese place. I'm blanking on the name right now, but they're yeah. all the same. And so, okay. Um, okay. So these things become like our hometown. Yeah. And the only thing that changes is what we call the streets when we move. So when I pick up and move to Fort Drum, New York, Fort Drum, New York is just like Fort Bragg, but the street names are different. But all the things are exactly the same. Same. So okay. it doesn't feel like you're changing completely. The only thing you change are what you call the names of the streets and the names of the people, but they're all very homogenous. Uh, you know, I'm not sure why this came to me, but I was thinking about a neighbor who had been in the military. I, th- I think it was Army. And she'd been out for a few years by the time we met her. But anyway, one day I said something to her about uh, if she was married. And she said, oh, no, no. She says, I was in the military. And she said, and, and uh, the Army said that if we had needed a spouse, it would have been a standard issue. Yeah. And- <laughs> And so I was thinking about that as you were talking about the uniformity. Now, Tom, a year or two ago, we had Robin Roche Paul on the show, and she, of course, is the author of Breastfeeding and Combat Boots. And I know that you contributed a chapter to that book. And congratulations, by the way. A very useful book for anyone who might be listening. We've talked a little bit about the father being deployed, but how about when the mother is deployed? And Robin addressed it from the standpoint of being the mother. Uh, Clearly, you are not the mother. What kinds of things do you see are some difficulties that army mothers have when they are the active duty service person well there's absolutely no doubt about it Uh, military mothers have a very very difficult job Um, they um, they are expected to toe the line with all of the men and and, in their unit and all of the the non-mother you know women in their unit there is there is no real exception or a leeway for motherhood as there is no leeway for fatherhood and like you said it's very common if the the army wanted you to have a family they'd have issued you one (laughs) is 
it, it's, it's very, very true in the military. It's getting better. It's gotten better in the last 15 years or so, but it's still, ultimately, it's true. Uh, the Army can call you at any moment, and you are gone, and you, you don't get to say, but my family needs or but my family wants or anything like that. <sighs> Um, and, and that is the life of service. That's that uh, that's that's what it means to serve your country. Um, and you put your country, you put your unit above the needs of your family because you're a servant. You know, um, I often make the joke that's why we get uh, free luggage at the airport, or that's why soldiers get ten percent discount at Hardee's, just because we get you know we have a hard life, and so you know they, we get a little bit of benefits. But it, you know, but. Um, but that life of service, it, it, it definitely, it's definitely, it's pretty demanding. Um, the other thing I think that military mothers face is, you know, let's face it, the military does tend to be uh, a male-dominated environment. Right, um, right. And it, it's not, it, the military doesn't recruit the most sensitive um, of men. <laughs> You know, right. And you know, we 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 want our soldiers to be warriors, men and women. We want them to be warriors. We train them to be warriors. And it's 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 unfair uh, and and impossible to ask them to turn it off at the end of the day, or to ask them to turn it off from mm. time to time. You know, with that warrior ethos mm. comes an awful lot of 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 yeah, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Instinct, I would say. Sure. I would. Making the joke yesterday, um, I was presenting about the, the role of the father in breastfeeding at a local conference, and I was talking about how I use the military analogies when I breastfeed, uh, when I teach breastfeeding to dads, um, because the things that are ingrained in you in Army basic training never leaves you. Uh, you know, if, if you ask any soldier, what is your first general order? And they'll say, I'll guard my post and everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. They don't even think about it. It just—it's like saying, "Hi, my name is Tom Johnston," and so, um, so military mothers tend to struggle with that a little bit because they need uh, to be mothers. There is this powerful instinctual urge to be a mother, and they do need a little bit of support. And unfortunately, they have a hard time finding it, um, oftentimes in a military setting. Tom, what you just said is so profound. I had really never thought of this, but. I guess I see it a little bit even in my own life. I never stop being a nurse, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. I go in a grocery store and a baby is crying and I, I, it's like you, you don't turn off that part of yourself. And so you were just saying that we train people to be warriors and you don't shut that off at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or whatever. It just becomes part of the, the fiber of your being, I would suppose. Exactly. And so, Tom, how do you counsel those women? I mean, you've got to be, as a midwife yourself, you've got to be in a role to help these women. What, how do you, how do you help them? Well, I'll tell you the, the one thing that I've always prized and we love this in the army and that's. Um, being forthright, being honest, and being blunt. Uh, there's a, mm-hmm. a famous phrase in the Army, um, be bold, be brief, be gone. Okay. <laughs> and what that, what that means is, you know, give me the bottom line up front. Don't beat around the bush. Tell me what you want, and, and I'll do here. it if I can. Yeah. Exactly, and I'll do it if I can, you know. <laughs> 
And, and so when I counsel uh, mothers who need something from their command, I tell them, go to your first sergeant, go to your commander, and tell them, this is what I need. What can you, what can you do to facilitate this need? And then they, that, that opens the conversation and they can go from there. Now, because we've become much more family-friendly in the last 15 years or so, we now routinely have, uh, um, have these, uh, the commanders, first sergeants, platoon sergeants, who are fathers themselves, who were involved in the births of their children and you know, raised their children you know, much more, and they're, they're bringing that um, with them into their work environment. And so uh, and we, another thing that we have that's relatively new in the military is we have more mothers in command positions. Ah. And, and so that helps an awful lot too. There was a time in the Army uh, where if you got pregnant, you were discharged from the Army. Um, and so there were, there, were, uh, there were no mothers in the Army. Um, and so when that policy went away and we allowed mothers to stay in the army, um, then that brings with it that experience of motherhood into the senior ranks. So those women who in the early 90s, maybe mid 90s, um, who were allowed to stay in the army as young lieutenants when they had, mo- when they had children are now the uh, lieutenant colonels, colonels and generals uh, who are now leading the army. And so, and so today's army has grown up with that. So it's it's getting much much better um, than it was. But I think that uh, the 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 main thing for soldiers is be bold, be brief, be brief, and be gone. State your case, and I, I hear you in one breath saying in the segment of uh, the last segment you said there's really not a whole lot of leeway here. But it sounds like you help the woman to be able to state her case so that she can work within the system and and hope that maybe she can get whatever leeway there might be. Am I reading you right? Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, you know, the Army actually does have a fair amount of policies um, in support of women. Um, each base, each military facility is um, tasked with coming up with the policies that they want to follow, that they want to employ on their base. Um, but they've got some general guide rules. For example, women oh. now get 12 weeks of maternity leave. Tom, I'm going to stop you right there because we got to go to break, but we want to hear about this. We we want to hear way more about, way more about this. Hey, everybody, uh, don't go away. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with retired Lieutenant Colonel Tom Johnston. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And by all means, I'm wishing a happy day to every veteran and to every service person on every corner of the world. I hope that you can be listening to it as we talk with my guest, Tom Johnston. Tom, 
having been in the Army for 27 years, I'm thinking you're going to know off the top of your head, what about policy? Certainly in civilian uh, hospitals, we have policy out the wazoo for everything from hand washing to breastfeeding to, you know, whatever it is. So in the Army, first of all, is there a policy that somewhat protects breastfeeding mothers? I'm thinking like, for instance, so many uh, weeks of leave or whatever, but also then does it vary from post to post? How does all that work? Well, you know, if if there's one thing we love in the Army, it's regulations. And so (laughs) we have have a fair amount of regulations and policies to follow, just like I believe everyone else. Um, There is uh, a, a... mandatory uh, maternity and paternity leave uh, in the military. Um, They just increased the maternity leave to 12 weeks. So every mother, breastfeeding or not, gets 12 weeks of maternity leave. Fathers are allowed two weeks of paternity leave. Um, that is not as clear cut as the 12 weeks of maternity leave. Uh, It's, it's, at the commander's discretion, as long as the mission allows, that sort of thing. You obviously couldn't redeploy every soldier in combat home yeah. for two weeks because his wife had a baby, right? I was wondering so, how that would work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it has to be, um, it has to be uh, in accordance with the ability of the mission. Okay. Um, the, the other policy that we have that's very protective is that all mothers are given six months um, where they're non-deployable. Uh, after having a baby. Okay. So for at least the first six months, they're untouchable. Um, okay. we're, we've always been pushing to get a year. Uh, hasn't come through yet, but someday it will. Um, okay. The other thing, the other policy that's very helpful, this is brand new in the military, um, and that was uh, that the military uh, insurance company, TRICARE, uh, authorizes now six uh, lactation counseling visits um, that for for civilian contractors. So, for example, I uh, I do a, a I have a private practice now that I'm retired where I go and I see breastfeeding mothers in their home, and Tricare covers it. Uh, nice. Very similar to nice. yes, yeah, very similar to the Affordable Care Act. But of uh-huh. course, Tricare isn't bound by federal law the way uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield that sort of thing is. So they have to they make their own policy. Tom, uh, I was not aware yeah. of this. Isn't this really really super new? It, it, it is fairly new. Um, it was okay. December 2015. Oh, okay. Started. I, 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 I'm not 100% sure of this, but when I started this, uh, when I started doing the, 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 the practice um, over the summer, um, every time I spoke to the, fo- the good folks in TRICARE, they acted like they had no idea what I was talking <laughs> about, which suggested to me that I was one of the first people uh, that was t- taking advantage of this. Yeah, um, yes. they were. It felt like we were writing the policy together uh, while we were okay. doing it. So I think that you know, while it came out a year ago, um, it hadn't been implemented um, uh, for several months. So yeah, this is this is fairly new. Yeah. And Tom, do you think that it is adequately communicated to the service woman? No, not at all. Um, One of the biggest problems um, that I face as a lactation consultant supporting um, um, women, military and civilian, by the way, is that women, mothers don't reach out for help when they need it. I agree. I'm sure you've experienced that too. I'm pretty active on Facebook and I belong to four or five little local breastfeeding groups and mothers are always reaching out for help on Facebook. Um, Yeah. 
constantly. And my response is almost always the same. Go see an IBCLC <laughs> to get this problem fixed. You know, don't just ask your friends on the internet. There are plenty of lactation professionals. We have 17 IBCLCs in the Fayetteville area. Um, and who could help these, these, these mothers? Um, Tom, sometimes even when I tell a mother, call me back, she she knows me. She's had an interaction with me, but she doesn't necessarily call me back. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you're kind of just as glad to not <laughs> hear from them. But, you know, you kind of wish that maybe their problems were all solved. But, but sometimes, you know, their problem is not solved and they do need to call you back. And so it seems to me like sometimes they're just really afraid or reluctant or think that the problem's going to go away or, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily couch this in terms of it's your right to get this care, but to some degree, yeah, it is. And well, especially you know, if you've got six visits. Sure. You know, the way I, I the way I, I see it, um, I, I, I honestly believe that women, um, Mothers today still believe that breastfeeding is supposed to be difficult, painful, stressful, fatiguing. And so when they experience it, they don't think that anything is really wrong. And so they don't reach out for help because they don't recognize this. And it's so frustrating. I always tell people, you know, breastfeeding is one of the easiest things that you can do as a mother. Every mammal on the planet at birth has to learn how to breathe, maintain their temperature, and eat. Humans have this incredibly complicated skill. We call it walking on two feet. And it takes us five years to master that skill. But all mammals, and we're the only mammal that can do it, by the can way. Can do that, by but, the way, yeah, yes. But yeah. all mammals breathe, maintain their temperature, and eat. And it's, 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 a, it's a basic mammalian function, and it is not difficult. Um, and when it is difficult, something is wrong. Tom, I'm a lot older than you are, and I've been seeing this for years on end, that people accept this difficulty as normal, whereas I I, I don't mean to belittle the fact that they're having difficulty, but it shouldn't have to be difficult, and it is not normal. Sure, Uh, sure. Tom, I want to go back to the part about the, uh, I hear what you're saying about the policy for all service women, at least in the Army, and I know that you can't necessarily speak to the other services, but are there there different sort of rules and regs from one post to another or not? Not on the big picture stuff. Uh, The big picture stuff is set by the Department of Defense and the chiefs of each service. The little picture is uh, a little different because the commander of the base, the base commander, um, is the mayor of the town and the king at the same time. You know, um, the base commander is is, sets policy on the base. And so, for example, here uh, locally uh, a year ago, we had a woman who was kicked out of the commissary, the the grocery store, for breastfeeding in public. Um, Even though, I mean, federal law, North Carolina law, both say she's perfectly within her right to do that. Guess what? That is not the law on Fort Bragg. And so the garrison Uh commander uh, had to get involved. And uh, and set that uh, that situation to right, um, and so the uh, it's so it's it's a little bit different um, when you get it when you get down to the local level, and then of course, um, when I say the word commander, commander has a very powerful uh, message and meaning in the military. Um, every unit commander gets to set the policy in his unit as well, his or her uh, unit, um, and so there's a little bit of a 
of discrepancy there from unit to unit to unit. Um, we provide all company commanders with training in this field. Uh, the Army does in general on how to care for for uh, for your soldiers, um, and that is part of it um, is to respect the 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 state of motherhood and that sort of thing. But again, it goes back to exactly. But okay. it goes back to that warrior ethos thing. Um, uh, where the warrior just kind of glazes over when you start talking about breastfeeding, and then he comes back when you start talking about, um, you know, military judicial punishments and that sort of thing. So, you know, we get to the individuals. We're trying, but it doesn't always work as well as we'd like it to. Um, yeah. The expert yeah. on military policy, really, is Robin Rush Paul. That book is amazing, and she's done a great yes, job with it. Well, and Robin herself is amazing, and she's hugely fun to talk to. Uh, I asked her all sorts of questions when she was on my radio show, and she was so insightful, so grounded. Uh, she just really, really has it has a grip on it because she's kind of not only had to live it, but she's had to live it when probably the days were a little harder then than they are now. I remember being just absolutely flabbergasted when she talked about, apparently, apparently she was very engorged and had to go pump. I don't remember her exact uh, uh, description, but anyway, when she came back in, and she was a a mechanic, I believe. Mm -hmm. When she came back in where all of these men were, they were all mooing. Uh. Yes, And I thought, you know, for all of the teaching that you could do, for all of the whatever, you, men will be men. I mean, and I cannot imagine how Robin could have possibly gotten her head together and faced them, but, but she did. And I, I think it just takes a really, really special person to be able to do this. And by the way, Tom, I think it takes a really special person to have been in the military for 27 years, although I'd like to remind everybody that most likely Tom could have gone for his retirement and all the benefits associated with his retirement in 20 years, and he stuck it out for another seven years, which means that probably he thinks that uh, it's not a bad system. uh, There's got to be something there. And by the way, Tom, I think I'd like to talk about that when we come back from the break. Hey, everybody. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm here today with Tom Johnston. We will be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study 
at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Tom Johnston. Tom, you were in the military for more than 20, 27 years. What What's so great about being in the military, either as a provider or as a mother or father of a breastfed infant? Well, you know, Marie, I, I, I always, um, I, I have loved the Army um, ever since the first day in basic training. Um, yeah. the, I love the, the esprit de corps, the camaraderie. The yeah. fun. I, I love the uniforms. I love the boots. I love the way it feels. <laughs> I love being able to play with guns once in a while. I love the training. I, there is not a thing in the army that I never that I didn't enjoy. Um, That's so what great. I what I really loved um, um, as a military healthcare provider, as a, a certified nurse midwife, was that the army really has what I I call a good recipe when it comes to birth. Um, and I often joke that if if the if I didn't think the army did it right, I wouldn't have been in the army for twenty seven years. Um, okay. I, I was forced to retire because my civilian job made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I had always wanted to be a professor, but if, if they hadn't made me the offer, I would still be in the Army today. Um, I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely love it. Um, the, 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 the healthcare settings that we practice in, in, in the military, it is fairly regimented. All births are done in a fixed facility. Um, it, a, a community high, community hospital size or larger. Um, um, all we we have twenty four hour anesthesia coverage twenty four seven. We always have uh, obstetrics uh, service coverage twenty four seven. But yet we have the 
um, the ability as certified nurse midwives to practice as certified nurse midwives. Ah, one, nice. You know, see, one thing that we don't get into in the military is that hierarchy between doctors and nurses. Yeah, uh, I've noticed that. Exactly. See, in yeah. the military, the nurse um, nurse manager almost always outranks the doctor. Um, really? Because the uh, when a doctor comes in the army, he is a captain. A nurse manager is a senior captain or a major. Um, as the chief of midwifery services, I was a lieutenant colonel. The chief of OB services was a lieutenant colonel. The chief of maternal fetal medicine was a lieutenant colonel. You know, <laughs> and so. Uh, it didn't matter that I was a nurse and they were doctors or that the maternal fetal medicine specialist was a perinatologist. We were three colonels, and so we had three equal voices um, that were all the same. Um, and so that um, that kind of equality uh, uh, and getting rid of that academic hierarchy between nurses and doctors really makes for a really good um, interdisciplinary practice. Um, certainly, you know there there is the 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 occasional um, uh, 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 demigod type doctor, um, <laughs> but he is quickly slapped down by the major who says, "Knock it off, Captain. Let's move ah, on." You know, ah. uh, because a, a major outranks a captain, and a colonel outranks a major, and it doesn't matter what initials are after their name. It only matters what initials are before their name. Um, and so, go ahead. Tom, the only reason I can understand this is that, again, the first time that I did a program for it was the Navy, uh, I came home that night and I said to my husband, who, by the way, now husband was a a military kid, so uh, I said to him, I I was very astonished that everybody called me Miss Biancuso, Mm -hmm. and there were doctors who were asking me questions in the hallway at the break. Uh, Everybody uh, was was treating me as though I was an equal. And my husband just chuckled and he said, well, first of all, when you go in, you have the, uh, in that situation as the outside consultant, you have the uh, equivalent of being an officer. And quite honestly, nobody cares if you're a nurse or a doctor, which is why these doctors were talking to you in the hall and they did not talk down to you. Uh, It's just that, that whole what you do doesn't really matter so much as your rank. Exactly. And you were the civilian SME. Yeah. You, you, were, you were the subject matter expert. And <laughs> in the military, we really respect our subject matter experts. Um, you know, we accept that, that you've taken the time to achieve this, tra- this level of training and you are the SME on this topic. And, when, and so, yeah, your, your husband was right. As a civilian SME, you're looked at as an officer, as a senior officer, as the person who's going who's gonna to outrank everybody else in the room. And, and that's why they treated you that way. And, and that kind of respect for knowledge, um, the, the, the inherent knowledge that comes along with your expertise, it really does uh, go a long way to making the military uh, system very, very efficient. Um, I brag all the time. Our, uh, our local uh, medical center here for uh, Womack Army Medical Center is the, the busiest uh, maternal child suite in the Department of Defense. Um, wow. We we catch a little over 3,000 babies a year, um, and uh, our primary C-section rate is between between 11 and 13 percent most Amazing. months. Amazing. Yep. And we track it. We track it diligently. We have yeah. done. We have in the last. You know, the March of Dimes has been talking about 
uh, not inducing before 39 weeks without medical indications. We have not done a, an induction before 39 weeks in over seven years at my facility. Oh, sweet. Because remember when you said the commander says, well, we're going to start that on Monday? Yep. Well, yep. Our commander started that a long time ago. And oh, that wow. is just the, the way it goes. Our breastfeeding initiation rate is close to 98%. And our breastfeeding success rate at six months is in the, in the, the mid-70s. Tom, um, that is outstanding. It, it, yeah. It, and it goes because... Uh, again, everybody has the same mission in in mind. Uh, uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. our our duty is to do what's best for the 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 population that we serve, um, and because we're service oriented, we all focus on that same goal. Our commander gave us the intent, and we drove on with that mission, and away we went. And that I happened am, all over the military. I am totally astonished with those percentages because that makes you approximately twice as good, or sometimes twice to three times as good as what is happening in civilian hospitals. I'm just totally blown away with that. Wow, it has been so great to talk with you, but as usual, that's all the time we have. We never have enough time to talk on this show. I'd like to thank my guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Tom Johnston. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Marie, for having me. I've, I've had a wonderful time. Feel free <laughs> to welcome me back, any, ask me back anytime you want. I'm yours. It is, it, it is an open invitation, Tom. <laughs> I'd like to thank every one of you for listening today to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Now, if you're interested in any of the books or media that was mentioned on this show or even on previous shows, check out my Amazon affiliate store. Let me tell you how to do that. You can visit me at borntobebreastfed.com, and there you'll see it. Again, that's Born to be Breastfed for books or media. I would really encourage you to read my blog. I try to blog about every week or so. If you are a parent, it's Born to be Breastfed. Check out my Facebook page as well. And feel free to leave a question for me or Tom or any of my guests. And by the way, please remember to like us while you're there. Now, if you're a professional, you're certainly welcome to go to the Born to be Breastfed site, but I'm thinking you would probably better enjoy my professional site, which is breastfeedingoutlook.com. If you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. So my courses and my blog and tons of free resources are there. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. Now, in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuto next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 